today might be one of those days when after you hear everything else that I'm about to say in the next 30 minutes or so, you're going to walk away, perhaps many of you saying, Ben, that was a great message for everyone else in the room except for me. All right. Like that, I'm just so unique, Ben. I'm in a different role in life than everyone else at Epic. And that was awesome for them. But that's just not for me. What we're talking about today is this principle of what rest looks like in the kingdom of God. What rest looks like, and some of you are wishing you were still resting, um, knowing that's what we're talking about today. What rest looks like, the word God gives us for this is the word Sabbath. The word Sabbath. And what we've been saying, if you're new to Epic or you've been around a while, we've really gotten laser focused around this vision, which is to become a community of people who orient our entire lives around Jesus. And the reason we say this and the reason we're trying to embody this is because we believe That if we're going to follow Jesus, it has to have implications for every other part of our lives. How we work, how we play, how we rest, what we do with money, on and on and on. And so we believe that if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to orient our lives around Jesus, then it has to mean something for how we work and how we rest. Now, many of us are going to struggle with this thing today, including the pastor, right? But for everyone in the room that's really lazy, this is where you're going to just be high-fiving, like, I got this down. Right, Ben, I do. I, listen, I am living the rest thing perfectly. I am sleeping 12 hours a night. I'm working 20 hours a week. I mean, they think I'm working 40, but I've got this rest thing down pat. Well, this is not, this is not me or Jesus advocating laziness, but it is understanding that God created every one of our bodies and every one of our souls to live within a work rest rhythm. And here's what I know you're already thinking, but Ben, I'm unique. You don't understand the thing I'm creating is the most important thing in the world. Ben, the thing that I work on every single day is so crucial to to, to people's survival. Or some of you are like, Ben, you don't understand how demanding my boss is. My boss is so incredibly demanding that if you had to work for my boss, you wouldn't even talk about rest. It's impossible with my boss. Or some of you, you you got your chest like, like, Ben, you don't understand my industry. You don't know. I mean, I'm in the tech. Let me me just say something. And it's going to sound like I am crushing you. And so let me, you you know how when you were going to get spanked as a child, your father or mother would say, "Um, I I love you. And so I'm doing this. They would try to soften the blow, but it didn't matter. Um, I want to soften the blow, okay? But I I don't want to crush you. The fact that you have a demanding job and therefore a demanding life doesn't make you unique here at all. Let me say it again. The fact that you have a demanding job and therefore a demanding life doesn't make you unique at all. The fact that you're in a season with young kids or a season with aging parents, or that doesn't make you unique at all. At all. Because of my role here in this community, I get to interact with many, many kinds of people involved in many different things. Okay, I I get to spend time with a lot of uh, men and women who are involved in technology, whether large companies or startup companies. I get to spend time with CEOs of large companies, owners of small businesses. I get to interact with moms who work inside the home and rarely, if ever, get a break from their kids. I'm with accountants and lawyers and doctors. I'm with grad school students who have a load from the university and then they have employment outside of that. And so let me just say, in this environment, in this city, in this room right now, there's nothing unique about the demands on your life. Nothing. Nothing unique about my thing. Oh, but I had to start a church from scratch. There were no people. I couldn't take time. Listen, nothing unique about the demands. However, some of you have learned to 
have this work-rest rhythm, and some of us have it. And here's what's interesting. My comfort spot, and if you come to Epic on a regular basis, you know the thing I love to do is talk about action-oriented teachings, right? Reject the status quo. Pursue the mission. Find your calling. Go for it, right? This is from the stage, and when I interact with you one-on-one or I sit with a group of leaders, I'm like, hey, we need to go for it. We need to kill it. I mean, in a good way, uh, we need to just go after it. This is my comfort spot. We even have a value here at Epic that's this. We leverage the temporary for the sake of the eternal, right? We want to push it. We want to go for it. We want to squeeze the time up. We want to use it. We want to leverage it. And so many weeks, you'll come in here, and I'll talk to you about, hey, go do it. Go do this. Go do that. But today, I don't want to talk about going to do anything. In fact, today, with much conviction in my own heart, I want to talk about how do we make ceasing from doing a regular part of our rhythm. Now, let me just be honest. Last time I talked about this Sabbath principle, some people literally wrote me and said, Ben, we want to live that out, so we're going to quit coming to church so we can have Sabbath. I was like, all right, that's not the point this morning, okay? My insecurities can't take that, and uh, that is not, that's not the point of this, but I do want to help you. And here's what's crazy. Some people have learned to live this out, and some of us haven't. Some have learned to embrace the art of Sabbath, and some of us haven't. And here's what you need to know. It has nothing to do, it has nothing to do with job title or responsibility. There's an endless list of things for all of us, right? It has nothing to do with you being at the top or you having to climb the ladder or your boss. We all go through seasons of push and we all have to set aside that, of course. But it has nothing to do with our responsibility. It has everything to do with whether or not we believe God created this into the cosmos and whether or not we can trust God to live out what he intended for us. And here's what's crazy. It is not just a 21st, San Francisco, 21st century San Francisco thing. Shauna and I, when we were in Uganda with our team back in June, the first day we were there, we had lunch with Pastor Stephen, or the bishop as he's called over there. I like that. If you guys could just give me some bishop love from time to time, the bishop. Uh, Pastor Stephen and his wife Esther. Remember, we're in Uganda. We're in this third world country. We're trying to help them out. And we're sitting there, and, and we're just asking the kind of introductory questions you would ask. Shauna was meeting them for the first time, and I believe she said to them, well, how are you guys doing with having time for one another? Just a simple question, not loaded, and they both look at each other, like, oh, we've hit a hot button. And she just says to us, he can't rest. We're in third world Uganda. He just won't, he won't rest from it. And there was a deep conviction in his own heart. He knew, none of us are surprised that this is what we should be doing, but it's a whole other thing to implement it, isn't it? And so this isn't a you thing, it's not a me thing, it's not even an us thing, it's not even a first world, country, first world country issue, it is just a heart issue. We need to work, we need to prove something, we need to feel important, we need to be responsible. And what I want to do is using some teachings out of the Old Testament and Mark, which is our entire source for the Kingdom series, I want to show us what it could look like, okay? So if you've got a Bible, open to Mark chapter 2. If you need a Bible, just lift a hand and we'll make sure we get one placed into your hands so you can follow along with us. Just keep your hands up if you need a Bible this morning. This is our pleasure and privilege to hand you a Bible. This is yours to keep. Mark chapter 2 and verse 23 is where we'll begin. Got some hands up up here. If you receive one of these Bibles or you use one, we're on page 544 in those Bibles that are being gifted right now. Page 544. Mark chapter 
some of us are good at this, but this isn't just for some of us. What we're going to talk about today is for every single one of us, you with the young kids, you with the whole company on your shoulders, you with trying to launch this new initiative, you who are unemployed right now, you who, I mean, have parents who are sick. I mean, this is for all of us, okay? This is just the way God built it in. He's built it in this way. So would you stand with me? I want to look at two back-to-back Sabbath encounters Jesus had, and then we'll ask three questions and spend the bulk of our time answering those questions. One Sabbath, he, that's Jesus, was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they, the disciples, doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And Jesus said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, Jesus angry, breathed at their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately they held counsel with the Herodians against Jesus. How to destroy him. You can be seated. During the rest of our time together this morning, I want to ask three questions. Here they are. What was God's original purpose behind the Sabbath? What is Jesus teaching us about the Sabbath and his kingdom? And how do we actually practice the Sabbath? Those are our three questions. What was God's original purpose? What is Jesus teaching us now about Sabbath in the kingdom? And how do we actually practice the Sabbath? So the first question is, What was God's original purpose or intent behind this idea of Sabbath? And sometimes when we um, see an Old Testament principle, we're curious, is it still true in the New Testament when Jesus comes? Did it go away? Does it shift somehow? And so that's why I want to start way back with God's original purpose behind the Sabbath. Now, what's interesting with the Sabbath is that it actually shows up in the midst of the Ten Commandments as one of the Ten Commandments. So it's a big deal. Wouldn't you agree? Pretty big deal. God tells Moses, write it down on the stone. Here it is. God writes it forth. Here it is. Big deal. And in Exodus chapter 20 is where you find the commandments God gave uh, through Moses to the Jews as well as to us, even many thousands of years later. So I want you to see Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11 on the screen here. Verse 8. Here's the command. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. Verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy made it holy. So what God intends originally and still today with the Sabbath is that it be something that restores us, 
there's this restorative and the remembrance and a reminder that he is God, that we are not. And we're to receive this principle and this reality, this experience of Sabbath as a gift that is holy, meaning it's set apart. It's about God, but it's also about uh, us receiving the blessing of restoration. Okay? And this is where I'll just, I've never heard this, but I'm sure it's out there somewhere. But this is where you begin to see the idea of the 6-1 principle. Six days of work, one day of rest. Six days of work, and that's not just vocationally, but six days of work, one day of rest. I know you can't do it. You'll tell me why later, but just hold on, okay? I know it's impossible. I know that if we had God's ability to work, we, we, we could take a day off every seven too, right? I know what you're thinking. Like, if I could do that in six days, I would be, I would, no, you wouldn't. You'd try to do more, okay? You just would. Even created all of humanity, night and day, sun, moon, stars, fish, people, everything, you, you would go for more summer days. Now, the lazy ones in the room be like, man, I would have quit after a half day, day one. Like, I've done enough for the year. What's up? Um, but I want you to see where God first models this. It's really at the very beginning of the scriptures, Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. I want you to see this, and then we've got some logical questions to ask. Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. God creates everything six days. He says that it's good after every day. Like, he's just like, that's awesome. Uh, I did that, but that, that's really good. And here's what it says. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work. Now, before we go any further, some of you are thinking, Ben, if I could finish my work in six days, my work is never finished, right? Anybody? Come on. Tell us your sad story. Everybody, come on. We know it's never done. You got a long list. And I, I got it. But God actually finished his work. It wasn't all the work he ever did in history. God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, which we just read. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Okay, we know that part of Sabbath for us is restoration. It's rest, right? It's ex from exhaustion, from weariness. Um, it's the idea that we're empty and we get filled. Uh, we're lacking and we get replenished. That's part of the idea for Sabbath. But there's got to be more behind the Sabbath than just that. And here's why I say it. God works for six days and then he rests. God does not rest because he's tired, okay? He's not resting because his five-hour energy wore off and he doesn't know what he's going to do, okay? He's not resting because he can't find the next pot of coffee, okay? Why is God resting? What's he doing on the seventh day? Well, part of Sabbath for us is restoration. That's not, God doesn't need to be restored. What is he doing? There's a second sense when it comes to Sabbath to be so satisfied with the work that God has done through you, the work that you have done, that you can leave it alone and delight in it. I'll say it again. There's this sense, right? God's resting. Why? Not tired. There's a sense in which he was so delighted in what he had created that he could just leave it alone. And that'd be enough for that day. When's the last time you were so satisfied with what God was doing through your life that you were able to leave it alone? Here's our typical reaction. Here's mine. I'll share with you a very recent thing. Last Sunday, we had the largest attendance in Epic's history. After that, it was a great day. If you were at 11 o'clock, sorry if you didn't have a seat. Crazy. They're bringing benches in for pregnant women. Volunteers were standing. Security guard comes in. I think she's going to bust us. But no, she just wants to be part of the service. That's awesome. And I did delight in what God had done. And there were some really cool stories. But I got on a plane with my wife and some of our staff to go to a conference. And not long after that thing took off did I start thinking about how do we exploit this growth more? How do we really go for it? Rather than just leave it alone. Pick it back up on Monday, Ben. 
Just delight in it. God is changing people's lives. He's bringing families. He's moving people here. He's bringing people's friends to faith. Just delight in it. Let it be. And not let it be out of laziness. And not let it, let it be just to enjoy. But let it be because, listen, if anything meaningful is being produced, God's doing it anyway. And he's not going to quit just because I set it aside for a day. He's sustaining it. He's producing it through us in the first place. And there's this great thing that the Sabbath does. It just says, God, I believe that you're God. It's remembering who he is. It's being reminded that there is a God. You don't have to be him, and you don't get to be him. But God just says, here's this six one principle. And listen, you're going to see Jesus, and we'll talk about him in a second. He's not going to make this thing legalistic. Listen, people are like, well, you've got to take it on Sunday. Really, I'm going to rest on Sunday. Really? There's no way. I'll tell you about my rhythms later on, but this is a challenge for me. Most of us in this room, again, if you're lazy, you're loving this, but um, most of us in this room are doers. I don't like sitting still. I don't like contemplation. I just don't. I like doing. I like producing, and then I like seeing what I produce. When I was growing up, when my dad would ask me to cut the grass, I really enjoyed cutting the grass when it had gotten really high because then I could actually see my my production. I love seeing progress. I love it. But God hasn't created us just for producing. And some of us just need to start there this morning. You're not a machine. Some of you are already saying, Ben, I'm superhuman. You don't know what I can get done in 17-hour days. I'll I'll show you about who was superhuman and, and how he still practiced Sabbath in just a minute. But God's original purpose is restoration in the sense of delight and satisfaction and the being, being able to cease from it. Some of you, the reason you can't cease from it isn't because the demands are so great. It's because the only place you find your identity is in your work. Say it again. It, it's not that the boss really is demanding. I mean, they are. Sure, some of them are. But this is where you find your theme. Right? And God means for us to work. But just not always. Just not always. And some of you are like, Ben, the whole reason I'm in San Francisco is just to be productive. Well, I pray that God will use today and other days to show you there's more to your purpose than that. But that's God's original purpose. What is Jesus teaching us in this, these two Sabbath encounters? What is he teaching us? You see in the first one, starting in verse 23, that um, the Pharisees are upset because Jesus' disciples are plucking grain and eating grain. Well, these guys are really fun to be around, right? Like, really? I'm eating grain, so I'm a terrible person? What, what's the issue here? Well, here's the issue. The Pharisees came up with 39 activities you could not do on the Sabbath. Like, you're not doing anything. Because the Pharisees loved regulation. Jesus wants the Sabbath to be about restoration. Not the Pharisees. They want it to be about regulation. They want to regulate this thing. And so they're upset. And so Jesus says, hey, do you remember there was a time when David and some other guys, they ate the grain, and it was cool. It was all right. Now, I want to give you a very profound reason why Jesus allowed his disciples to eat the grain. Are you ready? The deepest thing you've heard at least in 2013. Ready? Here's why Jesus allowed the the disciples to eat the grain. Everybody everybody ready? Because they were hungry. (laughs) Period. Period. Because the purpose of the Sabbath was replenishment. Because the purpose of the Sabbath was renewal. Because the purpose of the Sabbath was to fill what was empty. It's that simple and that deep. They were hungry. The Pharisees love regulation. 
They could never get their minds around this thing being about restoration. They had to protect it. Somehow they were doing God a favor, even when they tried to tell Jesus how the Sabbath should look. Jesus is making just some grand statements here. And he's like, no, they're going to eat because they're hungry. This is the point and purpose and the heart behind the Sabbath, restoration, renewal, replenishment, filling what's lacking. That's it. And then he has this, we'll come back to verses 27 and 28 of chapter 2 in just a minute. But then he has the second encounter, right, on the Sabbath. A man comes in with a withered hand, and the Pharisees are looking to see what is Jesus going to do. They're looking, is there a way we could accuse him if he tries to do something to this crippled man? Can we accuse him in some way? Now, Jesus, to avoid a negative response, could have done a couple of things differently than he did. He could have healed the man in private. He could have also said to this man, why don't you come back tomorrow when it's not the Sabbath? It's real convenient to do things like that on days that aren't the Sabbath. But Jesus wants to make this massive, bold, public statement about the Sabbath and what it's all about and what Jesus is all about. So he says right in that moment. It's funny, you know, you, you ever had mixed emotions? So Jesus, like, has anger in his heart towards these guys, and he has mercy in his heart towards this guy. I mean, just du- du- dual emotions. You see them? It's right there in the text, what Mark records. He's like, Jesus is angered at their hardness of heart because they're all about regulation. They've missed the whole boat on the Sabbath, and they're going to miss the entire boat on who Jesus is. Not just a Sabbath issue. This is a Jesus issue. And Jesus says to the man, come here. Just stretch out your hand. And what does it say Jesus did to the man's hand? Somebody give me that verb in verse 5. He what? His hand. He re... He re... Come on, somebody. He restored the man's hand. Why? Because that's the point of the Sabbath. That's the whole idea. That's the principle. That's the motive. That's what it's about. That is what Jesus is doing. And somehow Jesus heals this man, causing the Pharisees to align with the Herodians, and they were not friends before this. But now both groups have a common mission. They want to destroy Jesus. For what? Because Jesus brought restoration, did away with regulation, at least their regulation. In verse 27 of chapter 2, it says, I love this, and you need to receive this as a gift, and you need to set aside this regulation. I'm not trying to get you to check a list off today about Sabbath. I don't want to adhere to it for that reason either. I want to get behind the purpose. Here's what Jesus says. Sabbath was given for who? For us. Sabbath is a gift. The Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made for the Sabbath. So the Sabbath isn't about God, if we check this off, we do the six one thing out of obligation, then we get what you, like, you'll bless us, you'll be okay with us. No, the Sabbath is a gift because God has set it up that six one, the one might be the day that restores you so that for the next six you might work from your rest. It's what he intended. This is what he's doing. And in verse 28, Jesus says, for even the Son of Man doesn't have just all authority, he has all authority including over the Sabbath. Now, I want to tell you how I know whether or not you and I can embrace this Sabbath principle. You and I can only embrace fully the Sabbath principle to the degree that we're willing to really believe in practice that Jesus has all authority. Why? If I don't believe he has all authority, then guess who has to keep their hands on the world and keep it spinning? We all do, right? 
If, if, if it's out of control, I gotta get, I've got to secure this thing. I, I can't take my hands off. I've got to make sure that it continues to, to orbit, right? I mean, this is, uh, you, you laugh, but some of us pretend this way. No, I, I can't let it go. I, I can't let it go. Let me tell you about a unique Sabbath experience for me. It's because Sabbath takes so many shapes and forms to one of the things that probably the thing that scared me most about starting this church was having to raise a bunch of money because none of you existed yet. OK, so we, we to have church, there were no people really to draw from. So we needed individuals and churches around the country. And um, just so you know, for me, is the thing I dreaded the most. I was the kid like in fourth grade that um, was afraid to sell the world's finest chocolate for 50 cents to my neighbors. Anybody else? Now, some of you youngsters are like, man, Ben, it was a dollar when I came along. Um, and then others are like, no, it was a quarter. Um, so I, don't, I, I just hated it. So my parents ended up buying the whole thing. Just one, it's not my thing. Like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to ask for money. Um, but then we looked and like, oh, we're going to need to raise somewhere, uh, you know, between 500000 and a million dollars to launch this church. Okay. God, I'll do it if you'll help me. I started reading books on fundraising. I started, I, I mean, I did all kinds of, I, I flew to see people to share the vision. I drove, I emailed people. One day, Tim and I Googled the 100, 100 largest churches in America and sent them blind emails about helping our church. I actually got $75,000 out of that deal. So if you know any venture capitalists, tell them it can work. Um, but I remember this one um, season in particular, I was just pressing and I wasn't getting any results. I was calling, I was working hard, I was committed to working hard, doing my part, going for it, and just nothing was happening, like absolutely nothing. And I just kept going, going, going. And then I just started to sense in my own spirit, God saying to me, hey, why don't you take a week off from this? That was very anti-everything that I was up to because I, I wanted to show God and my supporters, I want to show them that I'm, wanna work, I'm willing to work hard for this. I'm willing to drive, fly with my own money, I'll set up a trip, whatever, I'll do it all. But I just got the sense from God saying, hey, why don't you take a Sabbath from fundraising. Just leave it alone for a week. Not easy for me, doesn't go with my nature, but in that week, I'll let you guess what happened as a result of me leaving it alone. You're sitting in some of the fruit of it this morning. Sabbath can take a lot of different ways. It can mean a lot of different things, but for me, I had to get to the point where, God, you're, I'm going to work hard, use us, use the team, use our volunteers, um, but God, you've got to do this. There's a verse we claimed early on in our experience that helps me think about the Sabbath stuff. It's Psalm 127.1. It says, unless the Lord build, builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. What does that mean? God, I'm willing to be used. There's a lot of work to be done in your kingdom, but I'm not keeping this thing afloat. And when you get to that point that you're not responsible for keeping the world spinning, guess what you can do? Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Now let's talk about how do we actually practice the Sabbath? And it can take a lot of forms, okay? First thing is this. You need to set it as an appointment like you set everything else. Set it as an appointment like you set everything else. Obviously, we see from the scriptures an entire day is ideal. I realize that may be actually impossible for you based on job, life stage, how many people you live around, whatever. Okay, I realize that. So I would say at a minimum, go for a four-hour span of time. If that's all you can get, I, I think, I, you know, I, I really think, do whatever you can, but I would, I would try to make it at least a four-hour uh, and, and an appointment. Like you said, it's, 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 it's as clear as anything else. Somebody says, hey, would you like to go to a movie that day? You tell them you have an appointment. You don't have to tell them what it is. It might sound phony to them, whatever. You just tell them you have an appointment, all right? Or come up with some strange name where in your mind you know it means Sabbath. You know, just come up like, hey, I'm meeting with so-and-so for four hours. Very interesting person. Um, 
So, so I think that's, a, that's one. For, for Shauna and I, this has changed depending on what life stage we were at. She and I are both pretty convicted by the topic today. We talked a lot last night about this. We talked this morning in our living room about this because we just don't do this well. We don't say no well. We love being productive. We love doing things for people, with people, and we just don't do this well. That's our honest confession this morning. But um, for, for this season, our, 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 all three of our kids, uh, two weeks from tomorrow, start school. It's going to be glorious. Like our third one's finally there, and we cannot wait. And so... Um, Monday's the only day that I don't do work for Epic in theory. Uh, it needs to be in practice, but Monday's the only day that, that I'm not supposed to work for Epic. That's uh, all of the six days, every single week I do. And um, so Monday's what our plan is when we drop them off at 7.30 from school, that she and I will get about six hours to really enjoy a Sabbath. And so I'm just saying that to you. It's an idea that works for us. It's really clear for us. I realize some of you have small children. Some of you work crazy hours. Just find, find what works for you, and that changes seasonally. When our adopted daughter from India shows up, Sabbath is going to look very, very different. It may even have to be put on hold for a while. Right? We don't know what all that looks like um, because there are times in all of our lives, right, the product is launching or business is starting where you've got to say, but here's what happens. Typically what, what we do is, hey, uh, we say, I only do it for that season for a couple years, but then we never come back to our promise. So tell someone else, hey, um, it's a busy time right now, but after these six months, you hold me accountable. I've got to get back to this, right, or I've got to have once every whatever. And so that's what she and I are going to try to do. Um, you, you need to think about location when it comes to uh, embracing and enjoying a Sabbath. Um, I would say for Shauna, she can do it in our home. I can't. I'm a busybody. I just can't. I, don't, I can't sit on the couch and just enjoy. This is not me. So I, I need to be somewhat active in my Sabbath keeping, which may sound strange. But um, it's like I pray better when I'm walking. And in, anyways, I won't get into all of my issues. But um, find out what works for you. If you want to maximize a Sabbath, turn your technology off. I know the boss might call. I know it. The product might need to launch sooner. Listen, as a pastor, if I turn my phone off, I've got a great excuse. What if people in my church actually really need me in those six hours? I'm just saying, if you want to maximize it. If you want to maximize it. And some of you, this, actually, this is actually why you also, in addition to your version app on the Bible, uh, Bible app, you also need a hard copy. Because I know how you are. Like, well, I've got to take my phone. That's the only place I got my Bible. Then you start catching email, then you start getting phone calls, then you're looking at your stock, right? I mean, I'm just saying, I know how this goes. I know how this goes. Um, so I think that's the thing. We live in a beautiful place that provides so many environments for Sabbath keeping, right? So some of you, what, so we need to worship, though. There needs to be a Bible. There needs to be perhaps a book that you're reading that makes you think. Because remember, it's not just about not doing something on our Sabbath experiences. It's about orienting that day about God. It's acknowledging that he's God. It's thanking him for what he's done. It's rejoicing in just his creation, right? So it's not just not doing something. It's not just doing something fun for our own sake, but it's acknowledging, God, this is a gift. And it's really receiving it in the posture of a child with childlike enjoyment, just going like, God, this is so rich for me. Um, but there needs to be some enjoyment, right? So there needs to be some fun, some pleasure, some leisure, again, oriented around God. And we live in a beautiful place for that. So some of you might want to take a hike as part of your Sabbath theme. Now, for me, I put that on the work list, all right? So I can't do that on the, on the Sabbath, I, that's, right? Some of you, it, that's work for me. Some of you are awesome, strong, love going uphill at ridiculous angles. Me, that's work. So God won't let me do that, all right? He just won't. Um, but what I, my two favorite things, and I don't know how you're wired, but my two favorite things, one is walking the city and just praying and thinking. Sounds boring, but it's a fun city to do that in. Find a new coffee shop, restaurant. I think food should be a part of the Sabbath. I think food should be a part of everything, but I think especially. 
um, Sabbath, but, but enjoying it, not just rushing through it to get on to work. It's a very different thing. Most of us don't know how to do that. So that even when we have time to eat, we're scarfing down our food too quick because we don't even know how to eat it slowly. We've wired ourselves for productivity and efficiency. Um, that's one. The second thing I love to do is to hop on the ferry uh, uh, from the ferry building and, and go to Sausalito. First one leaves at 740, and it's just something um, phys- physical to me, but also metaphorical about uh, detaching from that dock and heading away from where all my productivity happens. There's just something special about that to me. I've got, uh, that, I'm, I'm doing that this Friday. Uh, I thought since I'm doing this message, I better tell you, like, I'm trying to do this. Um, but what is it for you that restores? And just think about this question in a personal way. What does God use in my life to restore me? What does God use in my life to restore me? What does he use in your life? He's wired you a certain way. What does he use to restore you? Um, now, some of you ladies are thinking three hours of shopping. I'm thinking probably not. But what does he use to restore you? Is it a drive? Is it a walk with a friend? I certainly think there's this solitude thing that comes with Sabbath, but I don't think that's in total. Um, I take walks with friends, uh, and we just try not to talk about work. How are you doing? What makes you excited? How's your heart? Things like that. Um, so I want, I want you to get these practices in. Like, how can we do this? I want to um, share with you a, a blog excerpt from one of our own leaders here at Epic. Her name is Katie Renz, and she writes at katyrenz.com, K-T-Y-R-E-N-Z.com. But she wrote this post, uh, um, this entry titled, A Modified Sabbath. And I would love to just read it to you. And uh, you can see this uh, on her site and, and other great posts. But here's what she says. It's really helpful for us. She said, when I woke up this morning, my first thought was to check my email, my second to check Facebook, my third was about this blog, my fourth about the piles of laundry to get done, the fifth about my wedding to-dos. She's not just dreaming about a wedding, she actually has one planned, okay, just so you guys know. Um, I'm taking today off work, and the name of the game is productivity and rest. My sixth thought was Sabbath. Oh yeah, Sabbath, time spent with God. My usual excuse for not spending time in prayer or in scripture is that I don't have time, and today I have all kinds of time. I can feel that nudge that I understand to be God, nudging me to spend time with him today. To which I responded, okay, but let me start a load of laundry first, then I can be both productive and prayerful. Isn't that how we are? We want want to kill all, like, God, we're going to, man, we're going to worship, but we're going to just do so much for you and our people. Uh, We're taking care of us. He says, killing two birds with one stone is one of my favorite things in the world. It feels so efficient. I love efficiency. The nudge back said the point of this time, these minutes, this hour, isn't to be productive. The point is to worship first and then turn to the task of the day. So I sit down, take my Bible off the shelf, literally wipe away some dust off the cover. Oh, boy. And, then I fi- and when I finally calm my mind, the time spent is sweet. I realize I have a whole day to spend in this spirit, to pray, to worship, to turn to Scripture, to reflect on the glory of God, to rest and revive my soul. A whole day to treat as a Sabbath or a modified Sabbath, since I still have all that laundry to get done. Um, guys, don't start telling your wife. You can't tell them six days a week that you're doing the Sabbath when they ask you to do your chores, okay? Guys, that's just not, like, girl, I'm doing laundry. I can't do laundry because I'm doing a Sabbath, all right? You can't get away with that. Um, She says, I still have the laundry to get done, those wedding tasks, but one where the focus of the day, this is the point, moves away from me and slips more toward God. This is the verse I read this morning in a prayer for today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock. And my redeemer. I thought it was just great, her saying what I think is so good for us. Um, and there's, there's a lady named Ruth Haley Barton that writes a lot about spiritual rhythms and disciplines. And I want you to see what she says 
says is so important. Sabbath keeping is a primary discipline that helps us to live within the limits of our humanity and to honor God as our creator. There are those two components, and they're both purposeful, right? To recognize that you aren't God, but to acknowledge who is, okay? The margin is all about recognizing that I don't keep this thing going, but someone does. I, I can't be trusted to keep the world spinning, but someone can. That's the idea. And just so you know, it's time for us to quit using the fact that we are overworked people as a badge of honor. In this kingdom, it's called disobedience. I hope I'm not the only one convicted I say that. It's not a badge of honor. It's actually disobedient. It's actually it's in contrast to the way God intended for this to go. And some of you are still, but Ben, you don't know my unique thing. Listen, I've got a lot of friends in this room right now. I've got athletes in this room. I've got business owners. I've got CEOs. I've got moms who have lots of kids and never get a break from them. I know all of, you are, all of you, I get this, but let me just encourage you with this. I want to I show you how possible this is. Jesus had three years to accomplish his mission. Pretty significant work, right? I know your thing's important, like you're creating the next piece of technology, but Jesus, like, was here to save the world. Pretty decent assignment. Pretty, pretty limited amount of time. And so, Jesus, people need to be taught. People need to be healed. You don't need to even sleep. Like, you just need to go for it and go for it and go for it. But yet, when you see the Gospels, what does this guy with the most history-shaping assignment do with his time? Very early in the morning, got up to enjoy Sabbath with his father. As the crowds were pressing in, Jesus decided to withdraw. And then the thing that highlights maybe the, uh, the biggest idea of the story, do you remember when his friend Lazarus died? It sounds cruel, but Jesus didn't respond right away. Remind me, what is our excuse? And if we can't come to grips with this work-rest balance and rhythm that God has intended for us, it will be hard to exist in this kingdom at all. Here's why. Remember, we don't enter this kingdom, if you remember the No More Religion series, we don't enter this kingdom by working for it, do we? Oh, there's work given to us in this kingdom, and I'm grateful for it. Otherwise, I would be bored to tears. Right? Right? It's time to work. But not always. Remember, we enter this kingdom not by working. How do we enter this kingdom? By resting in what has been done on our behalf. As a response, some of you, it's time to enter this kingdom for the first time. But for many of us, if we're just honest, the most spiritual thing we can do in this moment is write down the day and the time that we'll practice this thing. The most spiritual thing some of us can do is to cancel an appointment we have, perhaps. To learn how to say no. To be fully present with God in this kind of moment. And then, when we enter back into our work, here's what I bet. And I'm willing to bet, maybe any of you. I don't have a lot of money, but I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet if we will live out the 6-1 thing, that we'll, be, um, we'll have better quality and more quantity of productivity than if we do the 7-0 thing. I'm just willing to bet. I think there's research outside of spiritual realm that shows this is true. Um, I can give you books even on the, the kind of the science behind some of this. But um, this, is, this is how God designed you. And if Jesus, if Jesus lived within the boundaries of humanity, and he lived out this principle, though his work was very, very important, wouldn't you say? 
perhaps we can learn to do it too. My question for you and I this morning is not, do we have enough excuses to get by without doing this? We do. I do, you do, we do. But if God has hardwired this into us, and we still say we don't have time to ever practice it, then I have to assume that some of the things we're doing with our lives are not things God intended for us. You might have to cut some things off. You might have to be better at saying no. I don't think this is what, this is true for most of you, but some of you might have to change industries or positions. This is what it means to be fully human. And just to be honest, my flesh, my human side, I abhor the fact that I have limits. I want to be able to provide everything for my kids. I want to be able to do everything they want me to do. I want to be able to have dinner with every person that asks. I want to see God do great things in this church. I'm willing to work every day for it. But I'm a limited human being. And you are too. And so let's rest underneath this king who is not bound and who is not limited. Would you pray with me? I try to be honest every time I'm up here. And just to say again this morning, I'm trying to get better at this, but this is difficult for me. I don't always know what it looks like. But I know that I've got to make this a habit. I've got to practice this. And some of us just need to confess this morning that what we're doing and what we're convincing ourselves of the reason why we have to never rest and never set aside work. Um, I don't know how to say this, but let's just be honest. What we're contributing isn't as necessary as we think it is. I'm not keeping this church afloat. You are not personally keeping your business afloat. We believe that all good things come from God, that all good lasting production is blessed by God. So can we just leave it alone at times? If not a whole day, maybe just a chunk of time. Maybe your best response right now is just to get your calendar out, <laughs> even though we're in church and you don't even want to think about that till tomorrow. Maybe it's just to sometime today, just to, just to block out some time. And have a plan. You're going to go for a walk. You're going to sit on a hill in your neighborhood. You're going to walk along the water. You're, you're going to listen to some music that helps you orient your thoughts around who God is. You're going to catch up with a friend, not about how productive you've been, but just to share heart-to-heart kind of stuff. You're going to do something that you haven't done in many years because you've just been working so hard. Sabbath isn't about regulation. It's about restoration. It's not about Jesus giving us a weight to bear that's painful. It's about him taking the weight off. But some of you... Um, need to know that not only is this like the Sabbath thing regarding what it's like to live in this kingdom, this is just what it's like to live in the kingdom. We all recognize in this kingdom we aren't the king. We don't have to be. We shouldn't even want to be. Because this king, yes, he's got authority, yes, he's powerful, but the kind of king that he is, how amazing, right? Most kings would make you just work, 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 and be productive. And he's saying, hey, work, be productive. But then let me as your king restore you and then go be more productive and then come away again and then go and come and go and come. And there's this rhythm he's offering us. What a good king he is. Let's embrace him. Let's surrender whatever it is we need to lay down for this to become reality. God, I pray that you would give us the courage. God, give us the guts to be different in this way. 
God, every person in this room has a reason why they can't do what we've talked about. Oh, but God, I want to be a person and I want to be a part of a group of people who fully participate in what you intend in this kingdom. God, I thank you that your grace is sufficient, that when we don't get this right, we have forgiveness, but we also have this opportunity to reset, to rethink. How will we be restored? How will we be replenished? How will we be renewed? God, make very clear to us what those things are in our individual lives. And God, may we be better and more productive because of it. In Jesus' name, let's stand. Let's respond as these guys lead us in a song of surrender.